Spurs Cast, episode 568. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today, I'll be speaking with Project Spurs' Colin Reed about the Spurs' play in their last five games, what's been the main reason for their play in the last 15 games, and we'll spend some time discussing Derek White's play this season. Colin, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Um, you know, I, I saw that the uh, right before you and I got on here, I was I was prepping my notes for this episode, and I saw that the Western Conference All Stars uh, names were being uh, unveiled. But I, I obviously know that this, no, the Spurs players would even be in there because they weren't even in the top ten of getting votes the last few weeks. So, so I don't have to worry about that uh, as far as monitoring uh, All Star starters. All right, Colin, thanks for joining me for this episode 568. Um, so let's go ahead and begin where I last left off um, a week ago. I was speaking with John Diaz. The Spurs had just beaten the Toronto Raptors uh, in Toronto on that day. And now uh, here's here's what's happened in the last five games. They've gone 3-2. and two. They go on the road and they lose at Miami um, by six points. Then they, they have a, a very um, upset upsetting loss. You know, they should have won this game um, by, by, by uh, more than eight points. But the Spurs end up losing to the Atlanta Hawks by one point. The Hawks come into San Antonio and beat, and beat San Antonio in their own building. Then the Spurs started playing well, where they, they're actually on a three-game winning streak for the first time since the start of the season. They uh, they first went and uh, beat Miami in San Antonio by five points. They went on the road, and they beat Phoenix by two points this past week. And then most recently, in a big hyped-up game for Zion Williamson, uh, the Spurs um, were at New Orleans, and they ended up winning that yeah, close game by four, where San Antonio had the lead most of the night. They even went up, I think it was 15, but, but still Zion put on the show there in the fourth quarter, and it got really tense there. But the Spurs did have the answers. Uh, to to um, hold off that New Orleans run. So, Colin, overall, um, you know, as of uh, as of uh, what is this Thursday night that you and I are recording this, the Spurs are twenty and twenty three on the year. Now, I know that doesn't sound great, you know, below five hundred team, but for them, that's great because it's their first time being back uh, at least three games below five hundred since uh, since early November. So, so for them, this is a good sign that they're finally making progress. They're winning some games here uh, in a row. And uh, they're actually back in the playoff picture. They're 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 technically eighth right now as of uh, the night that you and I are recording this. So just kind of um, and they've been playing winning basketball really since December and January. When you look at their their, their record in these last two months, even though I know January is not quite over just yet. So kind of just from from afar, what has your your opinion been of the Spurs lately? You know um, that game against the Heat, I thought was you know there's no moral victories or whatever. Uh, but for a team that's struggling to be a playoff team, for a team that's struggling just to get an eight seed, I thought that that game against Miami in Miami was was a good effort and a good showing by them in terms of what you would expect to see. It wasn't one of those losses that they had early in the year. Um, mm-hmm. I think they were actually up by a little bit at the end of the third, and that's when I stopped watching that game. And I, I thought, you know, okay, through three th- quarters, this is about as good as you could have expected them to play on the road mm-hmm. against one of the best teams in the East. Uh, and then against the Hawks, um, you know, I, I didn't look into the numbers, but on the broadcast, they said that they're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. And, you know, they, they went crazy from three, at least in stretches in that game. And it's one of those things where the Spurs really haven't been good at defending threes for most of the year. Yeah. They've given up a lot of open threes, but you know, if one of those doesn't go in, you know, if, if they're, if they're just a little bit closer to their average, the Spurs win that game. And so I thought, you know, those two games, they were both losses, but neither mm-hmm. one of them I thought were, were heinous losses. I mean, other than like, they were up pretty big and they let Atlanta get back into that game. But if I remember correctly, I, I, um, I know that um, the other two games, the last two games, what surprised me the most about that, I think was 
uh, early on in the year, the Spurs would have this big lead and then they would lose it and then it would get close towards the end of the game and then they would just completely lose their composure and lose the game. And mm-hmm. that's what these last two games look like. It looked like the uh, Spurs were going to lose to the Suns and to the Pelicans uh, just by the sense that they had these kind of commanding leads and it looked like they were about to kind of throw it away at the end of the game like they have several times this year. And I think, honestly, even though those are two, uh, you know, lottery teams right now, it's impressive that they were able to kind of hold it together to get those two wins. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and uh, especially like you said, like their composure in terms of, I know it looks bad at times when they're, when they're kind of losing these leads and, and uh, they, they end up holding on though, at least lately they, they have been doing that. But I mean, at the end of the day, like I like I wrote, like I, like I just mentioned to you, you know, they won all these games by less, won or lost all these games by within five, five or 10 points. So really it could have been gone the opposite way where they could have uh, had a bunch of wins right now, being a five game winning streak, or they could just be a uh, and five right now if have things turned out differently. So that's kind of who this team is. Um, but now I kind of want to go into some of these numbers that, that I've been seeing uh, lately, uh, with, just with the team and kind of spotlighting uh, and highlighting, should I say, what they're doing offensively uh, first, and then we'll go to the defensive end. So I've kind of pl- I've pulled their numbers for the season, and then I've also and then like side by side, I've put up their numbers uh, in the last fifteen games. Um, and so one thing, so so here here's some some things that stick out to me. Let's just sp- focus first on offense. Now I spent a lot of time in the last two episodes, kind of uh, really going in on on Lamarcus Aldridge's change in his shot, which is really good for the Spurs and him taking all those threes and, and limiting the non paint twos, and, and also being a little bit better at uh, in, in the in the paint when he does take his shots. And of course, we last week we spent a lot of time talking about DeRozan's change in his philosophy as well, and just attacking the rim, getting to the free throw line, uh, setting up teammates. And making the, the the mid-range jumper kind of like a last resort for him. So so here's what's going on in the last 15 games. They're second offensively in the league, scoring 117.5 points per 100. That's a plus 6.3 um, increase in scoring uh, when you look at that compared to their season average. Uh, another area that really um, sticks out to me is is uh, overall, just overall, they're 10th in accuracy in the restricted area. They're now shooting almost 64%. So they're so they're still dead last in the league in, in getting to the rim, but when they do get there, they're they're finishing really well, and obviously a lot of credit to that goes to DeRozan and Aldridge because Aldridge, of course, is spacing the floor. DeRozan's there to to take really good shots in the rim. Here's two other areas that really stick out to me: uh, mid-range field goal attempts have gone down by 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 a minus three point five attempts or less right now in the last fifteen games, and their accuracy from mid-range has gone up. So so they're shooting less mid-range mid-range jumpers, but when they do have to take them, they're taking really good shots and they're making them really well. You can compliment guys like Aldridge again, DeRozan, even Dejounte Murray's been really good from the mid-range. And then lastly, the three-point shot. Uh, just again, they're they're now um, in those last fifteen games, they're shooting three point two more threes per game, which is ranked twenty-first in these last fifteen. And then uh, they're shooting, of course, they're, they're like the hottest team from three in these last 15 games. They're shooting 40% from three. But overall, they're still fifth overall in shooting uh, accuracy from three. So they kind of fixed their, their three-point woes in terms of um, their accuracy this year. And uh, and obviously, the increase in the attempts has, has gone up. So so out, a lot of, out of a lot of those numbers or even some stuff you've seen on offense, what, what do you think about that? You know, I, I know you talked about this being something that you all have kind of discussed at length the past two weeks, but you can really see how big of a difference it makes when you have a lineup around DeRozan that kind of fits his play style well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I think obviously part of that is with his play style, um, it might make it a little bit harder to construct that perfect roster around him. But when you have kind of four out, four guys on the perimeter who can shoot, and you just let him go to work on the inside, like he is still elite on offense when he kind of has that configuration. And I think that 
you know, the honestly, when I when he started doing this well, the first thing that I thought was the Spurs haven't really been doing him any favors for the first year and a half that he's been here. Um, and I know part of that is they've wanted Aldridge to shoot threes forever now, and he's only just now taking them. So there's only so much that you can say about that. Yeah. But I, I, I do think, you know, the fact that they're shooting better from every area and they're shooting better from mid-range, even though they're taking less, I think is a credit to they're taking mid-range now when they – want to take them and when they're in rhythm shots and not because they have to take mid-range because they can't get to the rim or don't have any three-point shooters out there uh, who are willing to take them. So I think that it's gotten to the point where they're able to get to their spots on the floor and take the shots they want. And I think that's bearing itself out in the field goal percentage, especially with how well Aldrich is shot. You know, I know it's cooled down a little bit, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it to cool down even further, but it just hasn't <laughs> happened. And, and as long as that continues, you know, I think that starting lineup will continue to be better than it has for the past several years. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just one thing you mentioned about DeRozan, I, w- I actually want to throw the stat out there because I had seen it the other day and I forgot to, to, to put it on Twitter and also just kind of talk about it. I want to talk about it here on the Spurs cast. DeRozan, when you look at NBA.com's um, their drives numbers, he's actually number one in the league in, in for, for one um, attempts uh, each night in, in drives. He's, he's averaging 19.9 drives in the league, which is tied for, by in terms of per game basis. It's tied with Trey Young for first. But when you look at totals, he's up to 835 drives, which is and, and Trey Young's second at 794. So basically, uh, uh, DeRozan has almost uh, almost like uh, 40 more drives than, than the second player in the league, uh, which is uh, Trey Young. And then, of course, behind him is like Spencer Dinwiddie, James Harden, Shea Gildas, Alexander, Russell Westbrook. So so again, you, I just want to talk about that stat real quick, just because, again, it's a compliment to him. The fact that like the, the, he knows his job right now. His, his main thing to do on offense is to create for his teammates for himself and, and not stick to just mid-range jumpers. It's got he's got if he's not going to shoot threes, which he doesn't do. We know that uh, he's got to at least attack as much as he can. And he's doing that. I mean, he's showing the numbers there. And I think, Colin, what you said there was very important that the Spurs are trying to put lineups around him where it's a lot of spacing out of four men out type lineups. Cause even the, the Spurs is pick and roll is very, uh, very, very efficient when they run it, but they don't run it that often. They're still like a bottom 10 pick and roll team in terms of attempts from the, with the ball handler. So a lot of it really is just DeRozan either like creating one-on-one and driving the past or, or kind of just catching and going whenever people are leaving wide open from three. Um, there was an, Oh yeah. Here's the other point that you, that you brought up that I really want to emphasize here is that, uh, you know, obviously, we don't know if yet if the Spurs will make the playoffs. It's still too early to see, just because there's a huge battle for eighth right now out west. But if they get in there, I think I think that this is a system where it's going to be really tough to stop them because, again, uh, my, my, my issue with them over the years went, with having um, Aldridge, uh, first of all, as their focal point, but then also now just adding DeRozan last year was the fact that, like, we know their first thing they're going to do is they're going to go to the mid-range jumper. And we, we kind of saw that last year, the playoffs w- with Denver. Now, I mean, just emphasizing more three-pointers, more shots at the rim, um, getting to the free throw line, they're going to, it's almost like icing on the cake is what I would say. It's like, it's like you, you have like your, your basis now built with like three-point shooting and, and, and shots of the paint, but then where it separates you now is the mid-range jumper and that's a good thing because like, you saw that last night in New Orleans pretty much both teams their scoring was very similar in the paint and the free throw line and the um, three-point line and the area where the Spurs stuck at, stood out was that they were a plus 18 from scoring in mid-range and that's key because you know that in the playoffs teams are going to take away the shots the most efficient shots and so you got to be able to make mid-range jumpers and that's where it's really going to be um, sound for the Spurs if they get in there the fact that like it's going to be hard to stop their offense because they have they have that that one area that, that defenses want to give up the Spurs are very efficient in there and, and again if they make that like their last resort I think that's really good for them what do you think about that you know I, I agree you know it, it's one of those things where um you know I was reading Zach Lowe's all-star selection article and he had DeRozan in there kind of as like a honorable mention or whatnot in terms of who he would put in there yeah and one of them was that at least on offense the Spurs are now you know like plus seven over the last however many games with 
Aldridge and DeRozan on the court at the same time, which is a big change from how it normally is. It's normally the bench that kind of comes in and brings them back into games. And as you're talking about how unstoppable they are in the playoffs, this is maybe a little bit uh, too hot takey, but I'm also interested to see how their defense improves because I think the Spurs have always been a very systematic defense. Mm -hmm. And even though they don't have the pieces that they've had in the past, I think that a lot of the problems that they've had this year on defense haven't necessarily, I mean, some of it's been the personnel and the, defensive talent but a lot of it has just been defensive miscues even from players that are fairly good on defense Mm -hmm. and so I wonder I wonder what that would look like when they have uh you know time to prepare in just one series where they don't have these like oh now we're going under on this guy and we're going over on this screen over here but they have like one game plan for one team uh if they do make it in you know like you said their offense uh, especially if Aldridge continues to shoot, will be pretty good. And I do wonder if their defense might take another step forward when they're able to kind of be more disciplined because it's maybe a singular game plan rather than a different thing every night. Oh, for sure. And, uh, and you know, that's the that's the main reason why I don't think this team can go very far if they get into the playoffs is, is why I would expect either a first or second round exit just because of the defense. But but first, let's actually go into this because this is our next our next area that we want to focus on is, is the defense. And so when it comes to the offense, you can easily find, you know, the areas where the Spurs are improving. You could just say, oh, yeah, they're shooting more threes and that's helping in the driving more. That's so easy to find. The hard part is the defense because they're still, even during these 15 <laughs> games that they're playing well, they're still terrible defensively in almost every single category. But there is some sign of hope. And, uh, and I really want to dig into some of this data and, and talk to you about it so okay so so overall if you just look at the Spurs defense it still looks bad uh you know overall for the season they're 21st in these last 15 games when they're winning a lot they're they're, they're playing very, better basketball they're still 25th so it actually gets worse uh they're allowing it one point one more point per 100 possession to the on defense offensive rebound percentage um still kind of the same stays about the same um, opponent second chance point stays about the same Free throw rate, you know, they're about 11th for the season, 12th, last 15. Opponent fast breaks, that's pretty, that's pretty a huge issue for them. You know, overall, they're 21st in giving up fast break points. And then even in the last 15 games, they're still 22nd there. Here's the area of improvement right here. This is a key area. Check this out, Colin. Opponent attempts at the restricted area. Teams are taking only 27.6 attempts at the restricted area for the season against the Spurs, which is 11th. So they've gotten that down to 11th. At one point, they were like in the, in the 20s. Now, for these last 15 games, teams are just shooting 23.4 attempts in the restricted area, which is ranked second in the league. And, and if you actually look at their point, opponent points in the paint, those are kind of steadily decreasing game by game. Ever since they gave up, like, I think it was 72 or 74 to the Clippers, they've done a great job of, of emphasizing taking away the rim to the opponent. Now, when it, so, so that's a huge part, is the fact that, like, teams are shooting a lot less from the, the restricted area, basically right near the rim. The accuracy stays about the same. When opponents do get in there, they're going to score pretty well. They're shooting um, – that Spurs are still like 21st overall in accuracy at the rim – at the restricted area, should I say. Um, mid-range jumpers for opponents are staying the same. The Spurs are still kind of making them take a lot, about 13 a game. Their shooting is still kind of – their shooting pretty well. Opponents about 44%. But you're right. So, so here's what I've seen as far as philosophy, what I've seen change. The fact that the Spurs are taking away the rim first and then they're going to sacrifice some threes. And here's what I mean by that. Uh you know, for the season, they're ranked third. The opponents are taking 35 threes against them, which is 24th. In these last 15 games, teams are taking 36.7, which is an increase of 1.7 more threes for opponents, which ranks the Spurs 26 in attempts. Teams are shooting 36.6% against the Spurs from three, which is 22nd. And right now in these last 15 games, which is like what you just mentioned with Atlanta, how they were able to come back, opponents are shooting 38% from three, which ranks the Spurs 28. So you're seeing about a plus 1.5% difference. Overall, for the season, this uh, the wide open threes data paints this picture as well because 
uh, almost 46.7% of opponents threes that they're taking against the Spurs are wide open. So again, I think that for one, it is the personnel. Like you're right. The talent is just not there when you're playing Bellinelli, when you're playing Brent Forbes, uh, DeRozan for a lot of minutes. Um, so it's, it's for one, it's part of talent, but two, I think it's also kind of philosophy where, where I think that they're going to sacrifice some threes and hope that the opponents have a bad shooting night at the expense of making sure that they can protect the rim. Have you seen that? Or what do you, what do you think about some of these numbers? I'm telling you. You know, that is a defensive scheme that we've actually seen very, be very successful in the NBA. The uh, Mike Budenholzer special, you know, that's kind yes. of what the Bucks lived by last year. And, you know, I think there might have been a little bit more method to the madness. It was more like we'll let uh, below average shooters shoot and we'll take away every other shot. Um, and the Spurs don't maybe have it down to that much of an yeah. art yet. But I do think there is a lot to say about, you know, even even though – it has become a very heavy three-point shooting league, and for good reason. Shots at the rim and shots at the free-throw line are still almost always higher points per shot attempt than a three-point mm-hmm. shot. And if you can take those two away, even if you are giving up some threes, you know, 38%, probably some of that is because, again, we just see it blown coverages time and time again on the arc with the Spurs. But some of that could just be a ball bouncing here and there that that even even an open shooter... Uh, would it normally make sometimes? So I think, you know, the the more that they go to the strategy, I do think it's a useful one for them. Any sort of system that they can do, um, that they can actually execute, even if it's not perfect, that'll give them some sort of uh, leg to stand on defensively. And another thing I think of is, you know, I think, and you know, I don't know the numbers in terms of how much they've played this, but I know that they have gone to zone. Oh, more you just took my next thought. Uh, yeah, good, recently. good. I'm glad you're going here. This is where I was yeah. going. And I, I yeah. I know that zone is susceptible to three-point shooting, mm-hmm. but with how you kind of uh, align the defenders, it would be particularly good for uh, keeping away shots from the rim. So I think that part of it is that they are kind of playing uh, a, a style of defense that might be seen as more gimmicky in the NBA. But again, if, if they just have something that they can do and they can execute at an average level, then it doesn't care how gimmicky it is or if it gives up open threes, at least they kind of have something that they can execute. And I think that's been their problem for most of the year. Yeah, for sure. And you know, and that's, so you just basically went right where I was about to go with this was the fact that like they're playing a lot more zone and, and that's, that it's, it's a lot more two, three zone from what I see a lot of the time. So again, it's, it's allowing, it's daring the opponent to beat them from three, try to beat them from there rather than giving up the attempts at the rim. And I think that's why it's a huge reason why you think you see this decrease in, um, in, uh, in, in attempts there at the rim is because of that zone scheme. And even with the zone, you know, that's what you do for like teams that have you know bad defense overall where players always miss their rotations they don't know how to help a lot of times that's a good way to kind of make sure that as long as you're kind of covering your area and and you're and you're and you're you're rotating and communicating to 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 recover uh you have a better chance there of of at least making a little bit more of an impact and i think that's where why you're seeing pop go to that zone a lot more um frequently it also throws off the offense because sometimes they see it on a possession then the next possession it's back to man so i think that that's a huge um point of emphasis that why we're seeing some of these these um these little gains in the in the defense so again spurs cast this is when you when you look at the defense overall, you're going to see still you know bad defense. Like just the other night when they won against uh, New Orleans, they still gave up 117. But again, you have to you have to really really dive into the data, and you're going to start seeing some progress there. And, and like Colin said, I mean this is the kind of scheme uh, that's very similar to what the Milwaukee Bucks doing, and, and they're a really good team, a really elite team in the NBA. And and before closing out this point on the, on the last 15 games, Colin, I just want to spend some time just to, about the math game, about how it's working out right now for San Antonio playing this this different type of style lately. Um, so. For the year, they're outscoring um, opponents by um, 0.8 um, points in, on twos. Just so this is like mid-range. This is points in the paint. Just any kind of two. They're they're plus 0.8. 
at the three point line, they're a minus seven point two. They're getting outscored from three. Then in um in free throw attempts, um in a free throw line, they're 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 scoring a they're they're barely a zero point seven plus. So so overall, they're a minus five point seven when they walk into games on the average night. And again, it's because of the huge area there is the three point the three point difference. Let's look at these last fifteen games when I do these numbers. In on two, so this is mid range and paint. They're they're scoring. They're outscoring opponents by five points now. So so it's been a huge because um, um, one you're taking away like we like we mentioned the shots at the paint and 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 you know you're basically making teams take make, make mid range against you. So the Spurs are a plus five and twos right now. Then at three point line they've lowered it to just being a minus four point two. So they, so they've gained three more points now because they're they're making more threes and taking them while um you know even though the opponents are still taking a lot of threes. And then the last part is that they're just a plus one at the free throw line, the Spurs. So overall now, when you look at the whole math game, they're a plus 1.8 now walking into on the average line in these last 15 games. Uh, what do you think about some of those numbers? You know, I think that kind of goes to uh, the improvements like uh, we've been talking about of, of Aldridge and DeMar just being willing to shoot the three and DeMar kind of being able to do that. I think, you know, like you said, when, when you are at a place, especially, you know, what I think of again is, is the free throw line and how it's such a reliable form of offense specifically for DeRozan. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I I remember last season was down from his time in, in Toronto, but when he was on that crazy, like 13 game historic streak, he was getting to the line a lot. And, and I think that that's, uh, particularly, I mean, you would have to be a sixty percent shooter for it to be worse than forty um, percent from three. So, like free throw line is a really easy way to get to like have a very high points per shot attempt. And I think that you know, I'm I'm kind of surprised that you had said that they're like tenth in defending free throw because that's usually something that they're better by, and that is even maybe something that they can be turned down. But I, I do think. Um, like you said, once you once you kind of slant the math game more in your favor, it does make games easier. Yeah, to win, and, and sure. you're seeing that, of course, only 15 games. But I mean, you look at the quality opponents in these last 15 games. These are some good teams. These are the Heat. These are the Bucks. These are the Celtics. You know, so some really good squads there that they're beating. And of course, you know, they have you have your places, your your teams like Atlanta that they end up losing to in, in some of those games. But I mean, it, I mean, it's showing improvement. It's not like it's not like this part of the schedule has been easy for them. It's been it's been pretty tough. We we, we thought probably they would have lost a lot more games right now in these last few games. Um, all right, Kyle, let's move on to our next topic. And this is uh, I want to spend, spend some minutes kind of spotlighting. Derek White's play. Uh, he's had a really good um, year so far off the bench uh, where, he, you know, he lost his starting job because DeJounte Murray came back into the lineup. Then, you know, for, for a few weeks there, Pop gave it back to him, but then they went back to DeJounte. So he's basically been a backup off the bench, mainly um, behind DeJounte kind of, they just popped just swaps them in. But lately he has been playing both them down in crunch time uh, in different lineups. So let's go through just kind of his season, how it's gone. Uh, so he's played 41 games, 23.6 minutes, scoring 10.2 points, uh, shooting 47% from the floor, 38.8% from three, 43% on wide open threes, and 42% on pull-up threes. And he's actually number one on the team in a percentage of shots that come off pull-up threes. He's very confident in that shot. 37% of his looks are pull-up threes. Uh, he also is third on the team in getting to the free throw line. He's getting 2.4 free throw attempts per game behind only um, DeRozan and Aldridge. Uh, and also in getting shooting fouls, he's in the 90th percentile according to Cleaning the Glass uh, among combo guards. So just specifically on offense, what have you liked about Derek's games uh, played this year so far? You know, it's um, 
especially when he kind of came in last year and, and started getting more playing time, the the word that always came to mind when I watched him was studying. Like he was a player that could mm-hmm. take the offense, especially when it was kind of going out of control and study it a little bit. And um, I think that really stuck out to me last night even, once the Zion craze started taking off yes. in full force. And uh, he hit a couple big shots. And, you know, it's just he – on offense, he just has this way, especially when he's a primary ball handler, of kind of calming everything down and kind of bringing everything back to normal. Um, and and I think it's just uh, one of those things that's been highlighted about how he can play at different paces. He has, uh, you know, athleticism isn't always yeah. about jumping high. Uh, it, it's also about maybe change of um, like acceleration, how well you can accelerate, how well you can do some of the stuff. And he has that on his drives, especially when he gets like the left side of the key and he starts driving to the basket from that angle. He's, he's usually pretty money from those, but I, I think that that three point shot obviously as well, especially that he's willing to pull him up because that's a big, a big thing with a lot of the shooters that the Spurs have is that they can't really create the three point shot yeah. for themselves. And so you kind of need a creator out there with them. And that's kind of what makes DeRozan so important to the team is that he is one of the players who can kind of make these three point shots for the, for the other players Mm -hmm. on the team. But uh, white doesn't need that when he's out there, he can kind of make those shots for himself and that's really valuable in its own way. So I think when you add those two things together, it's just a very, very solid. Yeah. And uh, one, one, two stats I forgot to read out where he's averaging 3.3 assists to just 1.1 turnovers. And, and part of that is what you said that they're calling it. He kind of studies the offense there, especially in, in, in the closing points of a game. A lot of times, I know lately we've seen Derek and, and DeJounte close together, but a lot of times Pop is going to trust Derek way more than DeJounte in the fourth quarter with five minutes left because, he, like you said, like he's the calming force. He kind of knows how to, when, when everything gets you know gets going, he's, he's good about keeping the, the game under control, about you know take really making good decisions, especially with, with a lot of intensity and pressure on him. Uh, that's kind of Derek's play. And so he's had a really good year on offense uh, so far, even, though, even if, even if you, know, you look at the stat just 10 points it doesn't seem like a lot but it's actually you know you have to really watch the games and and see how how much he's doing out there for his teammates and himself uh let's focus on the defense for him um in block percentage uh he's at he's uh he's he's swatting 1.4 percent of the of this of opponent shots shot attempts that are blocked according to cleaning the glass which is in the 95th percentile among amongst combo guards which is a, an elite stat for him uh when he's out on the floor teams are scoring 3.3 points per 100 less against the spurs um uh, according to Cleaning the Glass, which is in the 74th percentile among, among a, a combo guard. And then on his primary matchups, according to the NBA's data, uh, his primary matchup is only shooting 44.6% against him. And then his secondary matchup is shooting just 43%. So so when he's guarding you one-on-one, he's going he's gonna to hold you to a pretty low field goal percentage. Uh, and then when he's out on the floor right now, according to Cleaning the Glass, the Spurs play like a 45-win team. What do you have to say? Uh, do you have anything to say about his defense? Yeah, it's it's kind of the the same where he might not be um, the same level of um, and again there's different definitions mm-hmm. of athleticism, but the, like the burst athleticism mm-hmm. that Dejounte has, where he can like uh, make a gamble into a passing lane, but get back into position and and get some steals that way. You know, you don't see that from him a lot. He does have really good instincts on um, getting his hands into passing lanes, and he'll get steals that way. But I think it's one of those things again where he doesn't really try to make these big home run plays. He just plays within the system. He's very uh, intelligent when it comes to both sides of the ball, but, you know, especially on defense, he has a mind for that. You can tell by kind of the way he rotates and the way he, he is able to pick up the system, honestly, so quickly when he kind of became much more of a factor last season than he was expected to be. Um, I think, 
you know, he, he does really well when he kind of ends the game with the starting unit, but I also think that he has a really good role with that bench lineup as kind of the guy who can help initiate the offense, but also be that defensive anchor in the, uh, in the backcourt next to Patty Mills. So I think, you know, he, he has a really important role on this team on both sides of the ball. And I think it's, it's, it's one of those things where he's not going to like maybe be an all-star unless he takes an unexpected step, but he's solid enough on both ends that he's exactly the type of player that a really good team would want because he can fill in and not make mistakes. Like like you said, he fills in on both sides of the ball. Um, You know, he's not, he's not a liability on either end uh, when he's out there on the floor. Uh, The last part of this, of this episode, Colin, uh, this is more of a, of a um, Twitter question that, that, that a a listener um, wanted to ask us to, to answer on on the Spurs cast on this, on our next recording, which is today. So I want to go ahead and answer it. It's, it's a pretty open-ended question, you know, and see, I want to see, uh, get your thoughts here. So this comes from at that awesome four. Hope I read that correctly. Uh, They ask, uh, what changes would you like to see the Spurs do in terms of lineup or rotation? So, so I know that's, that's a question. A lot of people talk about on, on, on Twitter for sure. Uh, That's one that, that, Pop has not, not a good, I guess, um, uh, um, uh, I guess, like popular opinion on it uh, from from Twitter, Spurs Twitter right now. They're they're not very upset. they're not very happy with a lot of his rotations. But so, Colin, what, what would you like to see the Spurs try out? And then I'll answer that after you. Um, that's a good question. I think uh, I guess kind of like my hot take of uh, them maybe getting better on defense in the playoffs. My other hot take is that their rotations aren't nearly as bad as people like to say they are. Um, there have been some problems, I think, in terms of. I think a lot of the problems are based on the roster they have and not necessarily Pop just doing something out of his mind that doesn't make any sense. You know, I think we talked about this last year when we were looking at the free agent class that sometimes volume three-point shooting means as much or more than like your percentage in three-point shooting. And Bryn is one of the highest volume three-point shooters on the team. And so that can be really valuable in that starting lineup. We see how valuable it was when Aldridge kind of comes back to the three-point line having those shooters around um, DeRozan really helps his play. And so I think it it makes sense to have Forbes out there at times. And I think, you know, we're seeing uh, Marco has been playing better in terms of his shooting recently as well. So those three-point shooters are important. And I know that, that those two kind of get a lot of attention to be sent to the bench. But I think that your offense really kind of gums up again because even if they're not making the shot there's a lot of players that are willing to respect them and follow them around screens and stuff and so i think there if if you and obviously lonnie's kind of starting to take a lot of marco's minutes but if if you just say you know both of them are playing poorly we're we're gonna bench both of them that i think would actually cause more problems Mm. than anything else now i would like to see and we've started to see it more and it hasn't necessarily uh, kind of been this force that we've thought, but a lot of it is because it hasn't seen a lot of time yet, is those minutes with Derek White mm-hmm. and DeJounte Murray together. Um, and we have started to see it more and more recently. Um, and they just need to get those reps and playing together because obviously that could be a really, really strong defensive force, especially next to DeRozan, where you could tell DeRozan, hey, you have the third best backcourt player and we'll put these two players on the other to better backcourt players. And now all of a sudden um, he becomes less of a liability on that end. DeRozan does. So I, I think that that obviously is something we want to see more and more of. A lot of people clamor for it. Uh, they have been out there in these games mm-hmm. that have gotten close and it hasn't necessarily been the the flip that's turned the Spurs into this juggernaut and pulled them away from bad teams. Um, but I do think that seeing that play more, even maybe because they've, they've had their swear they've played small ball with, 
like two guards, Lonnie, mm-hmm. Damar, and Aldridge. And so I almost wonder what a lineup with the two of them, DeRozan, Lonnie, and Aldridge for more time, kind of give them more reps, how that would look at. Um, now, I think that the most traditional lineup that would be best on defense to close games, uh, and of course he's been out sick, would be um, Rudy Gay, Derek White, DeJounte Murray, DeMar DeRozan, and Aldridge. Um, I think those five provide kind of the best of both worlds with the Spurs. Um, and that's kind of a lineup that I've been hoping to see more and more. But other than that, I don't honestly have many complaints about Yeah, I mean, r- right now, Lisa, you and I are talking about this, you know, the last 15 games. It's actually working out. The starters are actually a plus 10.9. They have a net rating of plus 10.9. Uh, I had looked. So, I mean, and, and Forbes, you know, you look at his um, – at his uh, at his net rating, and it's a, it, I know I know overall for the season it's bad, but right now in the last fifteen games it's it's a positive. So you know right now it's working. Still, my my thought on this is always going to be defense, where you got to improve your defense somehow. And I think we know that this personnel is just limited with this set rotation that they have right now. So for me, it would just be more about like trying it out, give it. And, and I know I've been saying this since October; it's never going to happen. We're already almost at January. I mean, in February. Anyway, for me, it's always been like give them ten to twenty games. Either give me uh, Derek. I mean, give me Dejounte and Lonnie, or Dejounte and Derek. Give, starting the game out, you know, give them six minutes each every first quarter and third quarter. I want to see what happens. Uh, for 10 or 20 game sample size if it's bad the numbers paint that picture uh, and it's not worth it on defense you have that many you know you have that you have a first of all teams not respecting one of them as as shooters on offense so it kind of gums up the offense like you mentioned but then also there's there's some some issues on the bench where now you might have like Forbes play more minutes next to Patty Mills and there's all these sorts of issues but still I just want to see what what the potential is defensively you know how much of an improvement can they make what does the data look like I don't think they will do that because, again, that's a huge risk in terms of uh, where, where they're at right now. You know, Pop's right there, got them right at the eight seat. He doesn't want to lose that spot. So I don't think he's going to do anything right now to um, to mess with this rotation, uh, but barring anybody getting getting hurt. I think that Pop wants to keep this rotation going. I mean, we saw that they went through, a, what was it, eight-game losing streak in November, and he still didn't kind of change it up. He kind of kept it as uh, – I mean, I think, I think that, that, was, that might have been the time he brought in Derek. But aside from that, I, I think that in order to see a, a – I would like to see, you know, either one of the two the, – two young guys start next to each other, but I don't think it's going to happen because of where this team is at. I think they have to lose, you know, five to, to 10 games again, go on a, on a losing streak like that in order for pop to make some sort of monumental change. You know, I got, I got really excited that one night when uh, Lonnie started against Milwaukee, but then, you know, pop has never gone back to that. So, so, you know, you know, I, I know that for, for me too, just more of like a, like, a, like a data nerd, I really want to see the data. What does it say about their defense? How much of an improvement? I really just want to look into these numbers and see what it says with, with either um, Derek and DeJounte or, or um, DeJounte and, and Lonnie starting but again unless this team kind of just falls apart I think this group is playing good enough basketball for pop that he thinks that, that this is going to be the, the unit that's going to kind of get them into the playoffs right now and, and and they're obviously getting better even though it doesn't look great they're obviously getting better um you know first of all on offense but then second on defense they're making some small small changes but I think that at the end of the day to reach your ceiling you have to be better defensively if, when you get to the playoffs and I just don't think this team with the personnel and, and rotations that they have are going to be able to do that that make that huge improvement defensively that that that, you, that you're that you're going to want see all right colin thanks for uh joining me actually let's let's just jump, jump into this question because I, I know um I, I asked john this last week and i just want to get your take and we were kind of talking about this uh before this before recording uh you know De- demari carroll's in an interesting spot he, he's actually uh dispersed um He's been out sick for like two two games, but before that, in three games, he had basically sat out in a suit behind. He was on the inactive roster. 
Uh, you know, he's getting paid, I think, what, seven or six, six and a half million this year. He's got a three year deal partially guaranteed in the third year. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I know that it's, it's, we've kind of gone through this before where it's hard to get in minutes right now because, for one, I think it's a surprise player that for a lot of, for a lot of, um, Spurs fans was, uh, was Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles has actually been really good. Uh, Pop likes what he's doing with that starting unit, spacing out the floor, being a good, versatile, switchy defender. Uh, and, 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 he, and, you know, he doesn't play a lot, especially in the second half when Pop goes that small, with that small ball lineup of Aldridge at the five and like four wings. He doesn't see a lot of minutes, but, Trey Lyles has been good for his, for his minutes. Then, of course, we knew that Lonnie would would, would hopefully get, get get more minutes, and he he has obviously done that. So there's really no minutes for Dejount for for Damari, should I say, out there. Uh, but again, like the Spurs haven't been playing him. He was sick for two games, but now he's actually not sick anymore, according to the injury report. He's not even listed on it, so I'm assuming he's inactive again for tomorrow's game, which is Friday. Uh, so, Colin, what do you think's going on with him? Do you think that that maybe uh, you know I mentioned this to John? Do you think maybe he and his agent might be seeking out a trade? Do you think they're just trying to find something for him? What do you think's going on with Damari? And yeah, you know, I thought it was really strange, especially when I looked into the film of kind of the the player type that Damari is, this 3 and D wing. You know, I thought that was exactly something that the Spurs had a need for. And even now, it looks like it's something that they have a need for. Um, you know, I think that if, if he was capable, kind of even a spot in the starting lineup where maybe you play him in the backcourt next to... Uh, DeJounte and DeMar, you know, if, if he was playing at the level that we kind of expected him to play, he would almost fit perfectly into that. And the fact that he he's not kind of seems to, to me that there must be something else going on. But yeah, if I were him and if, if I were his agent, I would definitely maybe be looking at, at what the market was going to look at, especially because, you know, is he is this going to be the case for the next three seasons? Is he not going to get playing time, not only this season, but for the future seasons as well here? Um and what what will become of that? Because, you know, he's kind of in the twilight of his career and, and that obviously would not be a good way for him to go out to be signed by the Spurs. Kind of there'd be a lot of expectation for that. And then all of a sudden he's just benched and never seen again. So, um, you know, unless there's some sort of plans to somehow integrate him back into the lineup in some capacity, you know, I don't I don't think a trade should be out of the question, especially because, you know, a lot of teams are looking for that three and D wing because that is such a commodity in the league. Yeah, for sure. And I know that um, that on Thursday uh, that you're not recording this, uh, that, that there was a report that the uh, Clippers were looking for some wing depth and also the Mavericks. Now, again, I haven't looked into the uh, – I'll probably dive into the actual financial situation of what teams could even look at getting Carroll because a lot of those playoff-type teams are, are basically maxed out and they don't have enough cap space to take in his type of deal uh, where he's, he's earning about six to seven million. So so I'd have to look into the numbers and really find out find a team. I think that – like I told you, Colin, I think a team that has a trade exception might be – those type of teams, one of those type, kind of teams that has a trade exception that can take absorb his whole – this whole deal but uh, again you know we'll see what happens there's still uh you know it's kind of the calendar here there's still 14 days until the trade deadline um and and, and yeah i mean I, I just don't know what's going on here i mean is, is he is he really just not going to play at all you know because because really like pops like like we just mentioned pop doesn't want to mess with this rotation so of course he's not going to go in and just bring in demari as well when he's when he can barely get enough minutes for lani and, and, and marco uh, as it is so, so we'll kind of see what happens and kind of keep monitoring the, the whole demari carroll situation and see if the spurs uh will look at making a move uh regarding his contract um and whether or not he gets moved Thank you, Colin, again for joining me on SpursCast episode 568. SpursCast listeners, if you are on Twitter, please follow him at Colin Reed PS. Again, his Twitter handle is at Colin Reed PS. Before I close out this episode, let's go to go through some um, final um, uh, reminders. Um, I want to remind you all to visit ProjectSpurs.com. One of our new team members, Fernando Garcia, has his first piece up piece up called Patty Mills Reviving the Spurs' Beautiful Game. 
course, Steven Anderson continues to keep you updated after each Spurs game with his analysis, analysis pieces. Benjamin Bornstein is keeping you ready for the draft uh, with his latest prospect watch over Josh Green. Steven Anderson and Victoria Virial also debuted at our new Project Spurs Network roundtable show. So if you want to watch that between um, uh, Steven and, and Victoria, check that out on ProjectSpurs.com. I have a notable piece up on the Spurs' defense near the rim, kind of what me and Colin talked about. Uh, White's driving game, Derek White's driving game, and DeJounte Murray's mid-range jumper. And, and another one of our new team members, uh, John Soto, has his debut piece live titled In Appreciation of LaMarcus Aldridge. As always, sign up to become a Project Spurs Premium member if you haven't done so, so you can get access to our different um, databases that are updated after each Spurs game. That's where I, got, I get a lot of these numbers from, and, and, and they're really easy to use in terms of uh, just referencing uh, some, some good info on the Spurs. Uh, this episode was written and recorded by me, Paul Garcia. As always, thank you to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode. For Colin Reed, I am Paul Garcia. We want to thank you and have a great day.